You're listening to KDNK's Public Affairs Program for Land Sake. I'm Bill Kite, your host, and today our guest is White River National Forest Supervisor Scott Fitzwilliams. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Uh, you were here uh, when I first started the program. You were the first guest. Hey, Bill. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, a lot has happened since uh, since that four years ago when we first started this uh, for land sake. And, um, you know, I I think probably more than anything else, the Forest Service motto that really exemplified uh, my career with the Forest Service was caring for the land and, and serving people. And uh, for those not listening or those not listening that don't know you rather, that uh, I'd like you to tell your listeners how you have fulfilled that motto over your career. Well, I think it's, you know, it, it starts with just my passion for public service. I've just, you know, ever since college and graduate school, I just, I just thought serving the public arena would be, you know, something that's just good for the soul for me. Everyone has their different, you know, callings, and and that was it. But then to be able to do it um, um, with an agency with, like you said, the motto of caring for the land, serving people. I've always, since knee high to a grasshopper, I've been you know, an outdoors person and, and passionate about the outdoors, passionate about conservation. So, um, you know, so so it's just been, you know, a, a life's dream to be able to have, you know, to get a, have a job that you're passionate about. And so throughout my career, I've worked in, you know, six states all over the country from Alaska to Wyoming to here, Oregon, and in between, I've, uh, I've been able to, you know, mostly what I think about and I never forget is this is the public's land. It's the people's land. I am, and all the four service are merely stewards. And so, you know, to be able to implement and, and, you know, move forward with that stewardship in, in collaboration and, and co- cooperation with the public is, is, you know, been the highlight of my career for sure. You know, you have a lot of land to take care of on the White River National Forest, and uh, it's as we look toward the future. Before we before we do that, it would be good if uh, I could ask you really what the the top three issues or events that you dealt with uh, on the White River in the past year in 2020, what they were, and I'm, I'm hoping that one of those that you'll talk about is the is the uh, the Grizzly Creek fire because that was uh, one heck of a fire uh, so close yeah. to Glenwood. I mean, everyone, I mean, there's no one in the world that doesn't look back at 2020 as, I don't know, sometimes I think as a blur, it just seems to go so slow and so fast at the same time, if that makes any sense. So um, it was challenging, like it was for many. And, I, you know, I'll start by saying it was challenging for us um, in a lot of ways, but um, there were a lot of other folks in our community that had it much worse. Um, you know, I think of our, you know, our communities that depend on tourism and restaurant and, and tourism-related uh, businesses that, uh, you know, have just been kicked in the teeth the last eight months. And so, um, so I just want, uh, when I think back, um, you know, certainly the Grizzly Creek fire was, you know, it's the largest fire in, in uh, the history of the White River National Forest. But not only was it large it's it's where it was located was 
amazingly complex. I mean, you had an interstate power line, um, a railroad, power, hydropower plant, one of the busiest um, recreation portals in the in the state. Um, it was it was a challenging place to have a fire, to, to say the least. But uh, again, and I said this throughout the fire at all the public, the virtual public meetings, is what a, what an what an honor to work in communities that we work side by side in difficult situations. It it uh, it just makes a difficult situation easier, and uh, you know there'll be long term effects and. Um, as we've talked about, Bill, in the past, there'll be some benefits. You know, um, you know, fire is part of the system here, and, and there will be some benefits, but there will be long-term effects. But I just have such faith in these communities to work together. But it was trying. Um, you know, the, the fire season was something else. COVID-19, of course, was a, 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 challenge, a challenge for us, um, not just during the fire, but we had to reset a lot of the way we deliver customer service. Um, you know, we had to implement, and again, thanks to partners up in Aspen, uh, an entire reservation system at Maroon Bell. We had to, you know, um, re- we revamped a brand new shuttle system at Hanging Lake. Um, um, we had to work with our ski areas to to to, um, to implement all new protocols for how they're going to run their operations. So it was just a really challenging year to, to deliver services to the public. And then the third thing, I, I as we reflect back and talking to the staff, um, what was really challenging is the what we call the unexpected COVID campers. Um, as as everyone was locked down and there were no ball games and concerts and all the other things people do, they headed to their national forest and public lands, which is in my opinion, just a testament to how important they are to our nation. But uh, we weren't ready for it. Um, you know, this is a chaotic, busiest national forest as far as visitation in the nation on normal years. And this year was a, uh, a whole nother challenge. A lot of new visitors, a lot of people that uh, had not camped before or hiked before. And so um, we just weren't ready for that. Um, we didn't have the the field staff to to deal with it, and so uh, that came with many challenges. So it was a, it was a challenging year. I'll, it'll be one that in my career, almost thirty years, I'll never forget. You know, one thing that really impressed me is uh, uh, John uh, Stroud of the Glenwood Post wrote a story that he called the Hanging Lake Miracle, and uh, I wish I would have been <laughs> I wish I would have been on that helicopter flight. With you, because I'd flown over that area before one time doing a hell attack, and it's beautiful country from the air. And and what? How did you feel? Tell us a little bit if you could revisit how you felt when you flew in that helicopter over Hanging Lake and and saw that it hadn't been damaged as much as yeah. you thought. Well, Bill, I think you remember how little I like to get in any aircraft, and so uh, I try to avoid that as much as possible. But this is one of those situations I really. The complexity of this fire, I really wanted to get in the air and take a look at it. So, um, so I did, and and uh, you know, what what I'll always remember is um, a couple things. One, we we couldn't get just a a quick flight. We had to go with the, the operations section sheet. So you know how those are. They're you know they're an hour long, and, and you're 
flying in circles a lot. And so um, it was a long flight. But uh, I remember a couple things. One was that it was a very active fire day. So we threw through, flew through a lot of smoke and a lot of flames. And, uh, you know, you could get a real sense of, of the fire activity. And as we got closer, everything was either, you know, completely shrouded in smoke or it was black. And so there was little hope as we got closer to Hanging Lake that um, that there was, you know, that it wasn't going to be significantly damaged down in the canyon and, and, and the boardwalk and everything else. And and we hovered over it, but the smoke was so thick we couldn't see. But, you know, smoke comes and goes, and finally the smoke blew out. And we looked down, and it was, the you know, Hanging Lake Miracle. It was just like you picture it. It was pristine, that turquoise blue. The, the the boardwalk was sitting there. The trees and the vegetation all around it and up the canyon were were fine. And so we, like as the um, paper said, the, the article said, you know, there were high fives going around that helicopter that day. And uh, again, one of those you know small events in your career that you'll never forget. But it was pretty pretty exciting to be able to well, it was, to report it was, back to our partners that hey, yeah. it's still there. It was a great story John did, and I, I think people really identified with that. So, um, you know, uh, the first uh, chief of the Forest Service, Gifford Pincho, had said that when there's conflicting interest um, for managing the land that, and they must be reconciled, that the question to him was always answered from a viewpoint of uh, the greatest good of the greatest number in the long run, which uh, yeah. is it, it, applying that that quote and that principle to the White River. Um, what is the state of the forest right now going into 2021? Well, um, yeah, uh, I mean, Gifford, Gifford Pincho had less people and less regulation laws to worry about. So I think <laughs> it was, it was easy, easier applied, but at the same time, he had uh, a, a lot of... Um, you know, people thought they were nuts for setting aside these lands, but it's something we think about, and and I preach all the time with my staff is we've got to remember these are for the people in the long term, and and so um, as we look forward, um, Bill, I, I don't think there's any question that um, throughout the West and the, the White River, last year was only a, a snapshot of. Um, of the issue with fire fuels and and uh, the, you know the the potential and risk associated with the catastrophic wildfire, um, we're, we're you know we've spent literally billions and billions of dollars a year. We're averaging two and a half plus billion dollars a year on firefighting, and although we have the most incredible wildland firefighting staff, um, the the odds are stacked against us. Um, and so as I look to the future and this year and, and the coming years is, is continuing to look at how do we um, take management action and, and do things along across the landscape that, that can change the outcome of these fires because they're getting more destructive, more expensive. And I tell people, there are, I, I think there are three primary reasons why we're in the situation in the West that we're in. First is fuels. People kind of understand that. We've, we've got a buildup of fuels, unnatural amount of fuels, too many trees. I know people have a hard time with that, but there are far more trees 
here now than there were 250 years ago because fires thinned them out. And, and, uh, and, and for 70 years, we, we put out fires at, at a fevered, fevered pace, and now we're dealing with the ramifications. So we've got a fuels problem. Secondly, um, the West is so different. Um, the, uh, I haven't looked at the latest data, but somewhere between 25 and 30 million homes have been built in, in, the, in the forest in the West in the last 25 years. Think of that. That's the state of California being built in the forest. Wow. So, so when, you, when you put all those homes and developments, power lines, water systems, everything else in what we call the wildland urban interface, the WUI, um, you've just added a complexity and the risk for, you know, catastrophic or expensive damage is real high. And then the third issue that's, uh, that's really difficult to deal with is climate change. Um, we are dealing with um, a climate that's changing, resulting in weather that is causing fire behavior we've never seen before. And I remember that on Lake Christine. That was the first real aha moment for me when it was 11 o'clock at night and a fire is ripping downhill for folks who aren't in the fire business. That's weird. Um, downhill at 11 o'clock at night in Pinion Juniper. There's nothing in our manuals that has that in the, in the, in the how-to section. Um, so, and we're seeing that everywhere. We saw it in, you know, the big Cameron Peak and, and those fires over on the Arapaho-Roosevelt National Forest. You know, this is October, late October, and fires are ripping like it's July. That's a climate issue, folks. There's no denying it. I don't care what you think caused it. It's 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 weather caused by climate change. And so um, those three factors: fuel, development in the wooey, and and climate are are you know it's creating a perfect storm for fires. So preparation for the fire season that is going to consume the entire agencies in the West um, work, and we've got to work collaboratively with our partners because we can't do this alone. Um, you know, there's 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 too much to do. Um, I think the other thing we have to continue to do, and we've done some work here, is the the, the planning and and strategies and using tools at our disposal for the influx of visitation. Um, you know, um, this place is busy, and it's just getting busier. The I-70 corridor sucks a lot of people here, and um, we're finding areas are just overwrought with people, and and. You know, in so many ways, that's such a wonderful thing, but our facilities and the resources aren't set up to handle that. So um, continuing our efforts to work with communities to, um, to look at all the tools we have to, uh, whether it's res- reservation system at these high-use areas, permit systems, we're just going to have to do that because we're trying to not only protect the resource, but the experience people came to, to, um, to the forest to enjoy and you know, prior to the shuttle system, there was nothing fun about trying to go to Hanging Lake when at 6.30 in the morning the parking lot was full and there was a line of traffic out to the freeway. Right. Now we've got a situation you can make a reservation. You and your friends can plan it. Yeah, it's not as flexible, but I think the experience you have is much better. So um, yeah. we're going to have to continue that. And then, you know, just continuing, um, it's tough right now. I can tell you, the state of the forest is fine. Uh, but I'd be lying if I if I um, gave you a Pollyanna 
optimistic, overly optimistic view. It's tough. Um, um, since I started here, our budget has decreased close to 50%. We're down a ton of employees, and yet all the demands are going up. Um, and that, that trend has continued this year, where um, we have less and less money, less and less people to do and serve more and more. And, and at some point, you reach a tipping point. And so um, our, our partners and our um, communities are what's keeping us afloat. We're going to continue to work with them to, to solve problems and, and get the job done to serve the people that, you know, who own these plants. Right. You're listening to KDNK's Public Affairs Program for Land's Sake. I'm your host, Bill Kite, and today we're talking with Scott Fitzwilliams, a supervisor of the White River National Forest. Scott, if you only had one or minute or two left um, in this interview, um, could you uh, tell us how you've practiced leadership for those you serve over the years you've been uh, in the Forest Service? Uh, I know the wow. answer to that, but but, but I think yeah, I think it, it's worthwhile uh, worthwhile um, discussing. You know, uh, what I often tell people who don't know, um, you know, what do you do? And I tell them work for the forces. They think Forest Service. They think I'm out in the woods doing cool stuff and. Unfortunately, I don't get to do much of that, and so I depend on you know, 150 or so employees that are just the most dedicated people. And the way you keep them motivated is you 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 are transparent and clear with them, and you help them solve problems and let them do their job. Um, and and I have found that is the keys to to getting a lot out of people is is, is being the and transparency. And and um, and helping them solve problems, being there. And um, I always say you can fake the care, but you can you can't fake to be there. And um, and so I, we're very lucky. We have an amazing staff that uh, dedicated people. I mean, they you know and and um, they they are so passionate about what they do um, that uh, they'll go the extra mile. And and it's getting harder and harder. We're asking more and more of every one of our employees. So. We have to continue to do that, and uh, and then you know, Bill, you've been part of our forest, and you know we're we're not afraid of innovation and risk taking, and 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 trying something different um, that is often slow and um, and hard to come by in, in government or bureaucracy. That's that's for sure, and I I know uh, those of us who worked for you and who who still work for you appreciated the fact that you let us take risk um, because you don't learn anything unless you take risk. And you certainly don't learn uh, success unless you've had a few failures. So you got to fail once in a while for sure, Bill. Um, suppose you were elected uh, by uh, our uh, guest, maybe uh, voluntold by uh, President Biden that you were going to be the chief of the Forest Service. What, what would be the first <laughs> thing you, you would do if you got, when you got to D.C.? Wow, um, <laughs> that that is a loaded question. But um, I would um, I, I would just reemphasize and 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 change our budget structure and our HR structure to emphasize the field and delivering service to the public. I think over the years we've we've um, We've gotten away from that, and and it's the last to be funded. It's the last to be thought of. It's the, you know, it's you know, often the districts and the forests are picking up the scraps, and and so I would um, 
my priorities and emphasis would be would be to um, go back to reemphasize the field. That's where the work gets done. That's where trails get cleared and fuels get reduced and fires get put out and cattle are managed and, and timber is harvested and all those things. And so um, that would be my emphasis. I, w- I would just, you know, restructure the, you know, it all starts with the budget. Where's the, wh- any organization, what you put money into is what your priorities are. Right. I don't care what you say they are. Just show me your budget, and I'll tell you what your priorities are. Yep. And um, and so that's how I would do it. It's just really making the field and the and the, and the um, service delivery to the public the priority. You did uh, uh, a stand here recently with the D.C. Um, Forest Service office, but you were able to to do it out of uh, out of your house, I guess, like a lot of people. Uh, I did it myself for for a, a month or two. Um, so tell us what that was like, if you could, right quick. Well, um, the best thing about it, it, I didn't have to go to Washington, D.C. Um, and, and, Bill, as you might guess, it's, um, things changed, and I'm still in it. Um, they, they asked me to stay on another month or so. So I'm still there, eager to get back to the forest. But uh, with the transition um, to the new administration, they, um, it's standard. It doesn't matter what administration. They, they being the, the new administration, steals employees, high-level employees from the um, – from the Forest Service to serve as acting undersecretaries and, you know, to run the, the Department of Agriculture in our case. So that's happening. So they've asked me to stay because there's people going over to help with um, the transition. So it's been interesting. I mean, you know, to take a you got to take a 30,000 foot view and you realize that, wow, this is a big agency that, you know, expands from Puerto Rico to Alaska. And the issues are endless. I mean, just uh, fascinating how many different things go on um in the agency and uh but um you know i i the things i've been impressed with is people you know even at the highest level of the agency they 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 still care tremendously about serving the public and uh you know in the wake of all the craziness and unrest that we experienced this summer and then you know the the something i'd never thought i'd see in my life last week um being a public service takes on a different, you know, perspective when when you work for the federal government and you see what's going on. And, and uh, I've been real proud of the agency, how we've uh, stayed out of the political fringe, yet, um, you know, continue to support the mission, continue to support the employees. And, uh, yeah. um, it, you know, it's been fun to, to – we're working a lot now um, with the transition team in the Biden administration to start to, you know, align that. And that's always just – it's a really dynamic time, regardless of it. It doesn't matter what type of transition, you know, from Democrat to Democrat, Democrat to Republican, vice versa. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, it's new people. It's new priorities. And so uh, that's been a lot of fun. And, and uh, like I said, it's, it, um, you know, a tribute to the people that, you know, are continuing to, to keep things plugging along. Our, our, our system works because of um, even in when there's political unrest, the system keeps functioning because we have dedicated public service. Right, and appreciate you being one of them, Scott, and taking time today to tell us a little bit about the, the forest that we all love. And uh, So thanks again for being with us, and I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. You too. You, you've been listening to KDNK's For Land's Sake. Until next Tuesday, March the 10th at 4.30. This will be 
uh, same place, same same time, I'll still be your host, hopefully. And we're asking that whatever you do to Mother Nature, you do it for land's sake.